You know it's time for me to be on air. So my guest today is Frank Mitchell from the Amistad Center for Culture and Art. Art and Culture. Art and Culture. And so y'all know Frank Mitchell from being around. But I know Frank Mitchell because I served with him on the board of Common Ground High School. That's true. And he is the significant other of Mr. New Haven, Mike Moran. So (laughs) are y'all married yet? Okay. I'm waiting for my invitation. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Got so, a good parking spot. Yay. You put money in because they will ticket you. Oh, yeah. I parked there regularly. The Food Policy Council meets down the street. Oh, City okay. Hall at 830 on the third Wednesday of the month. The Food Posse? Food Policy Council, yeah. Oh, Food Policy Council. Food Policy Council. And what do they do? Uh, we advise the Board of Alders and others about uh, food issues in the city and uh, ways to make things better. That's mm. what I would say. If you ask another member, they would have other... And so you you like this council? It's a good council. Yeah, I've been doing this for a while. Harry, I hear Latin music in my in my headset, like I hear it loud, like it must be playing somewhere. Like, listen. So you do the food policy council, but yeah. So it's eight thirty on Wednesday morning, and so usually you get down here about that time, and you can't park. Can't park. It's crazy, but today today there's no traffic. I know. I know. It's like because it's I think somebody fast. is um. I, <laughs> that's why it is because it's coming here to see you okay i appreciate that because <laughs> usually I'm, I'm circling the block trying to find a spot cranky getting in there but <laughs> so i was on your website looking looking over and you're the executive director and curator dr mitchell chief curator is. Chief, but there are other chief, curators who work with chief but curator yeah, I, i'm ultimately responsible for the stuff that goes on the wall but now, i don't always choose it now, this is a new gig because you've, what, been, how long have you been in this job? A year? Uh, I have been at the Amistad Center for a really long time. Really? In different ways. Okay. But responsible for all of it. Mm-hmm. Probably more than a year, but not that much more than that. Okay. So, I take it you have an arts background. See, I don't know about you prior to, I don't, I don't know what you, wh- where you're from or any of that. I know you because I've seen you. <laughs> We know some of the same people, but I don't. I don't think I know you. Know you so. Arts and humanities. Yeah. Okay. So, do you like? Is this a good gig for you? This is the center's great. Center's thirty years old. It's a really unique partnership in the field. Is of it museum. thirty years old? Thirty years old. Thirty years that we've been in partnership with the Wadsworth Athenaeum. Really? Uh, I have never heard of involved. it until the last few years. 
Yeah, no, it's people, are, you got to come to Hartford. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's not the biggest state, and there's good stuff all around Connecticut. People got to get in their cars and drive all I around. I used to work in Hartford a couple, of, uh, a couple of times in my life. I worked in Hartford. So, But I just really just discovered um, um, the, the Amistad in the last several years. I, I started seeing more of their um, flyers and ads and stuff. I think with, with the Internet being what it is, mm-hmm. you can just come across stuff. Yeah, it's and there are so many Amistad uh, name names <laughs> around Connecticut that it's a little tricky to distinguish what we do from the schooner and from the charters and other things. But yeah, you know, we've we've used that Amistad Center name for thirty years. Now so you used older. it f- because of of its uh, affiliation uh-huh, because of the incident. Okay, yeah. uh-huh. okay, because we wanted to lift up or the founding members and trustees wanted to lift up that episode in Connecticut's history. And we do have some material <laughs> from the Amistad incident in our collection. Oh, uh, really? From the period of the trial. I mean, some documents that uh, emerged during the trial. Yeah. I had no idea. Not a lot. We don't, we don't super interpret that mm-hmm. incident. And our collection is pretty diverse in its holdings. It actually came to us from Randolph Lindsay Simpson, who lived here in Northford at, in his grown-up life. And he's from a Connecticut family. So Lindsay Chittenden Hall, the Lindsay, those are his ancestors. Wow. And he started collecting uh, as an adult. He was fascinated with Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. And as soon as he could, started collecting material about those two individuals and slowly amassed this incredible collection that speaks to uh, the black freedom struggle and African-American history in this state and in this country. And it's unique because it's, it's pretty encyclopedic. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just collecting photography or just collecting artifacts and documents. He did fine art. He did photography. Uh, he did uh, books and sheet music and ephemera. So wow, there's a lot there. So he had a broad sort of, you know, you know, cause sometimes you find collectives and they only want like, one particular mm-hmm. thing, you know, of somebody's work or yeah. whatever. But he sounds like... Yeah, he, he looked for everything. And, and he uh, was trained as a musician and singer, and so he was particularly interested in the history of um, music in black America. So we've got a bunch of Marian Anderson references. And, okay. Uh, some pop stuff from the 50s and 60s, too. Mm-hmm. So, Wow. So when you think about curating stuff, how do you, what do you do? How do you think about this? Like, do you, uh, when you're, when you're at work and you have to come up with next year's, what are we going to hang? What are we going to do? Where are we going? What direction are we going? How do you start that process? Uh, So the collection drives a lot of our decisions in some ways and being in partnership with the Wadsworth uh, helps a lot too. So we try to do some things that make sense with what's going on in the rest of the building. And we have large meetings where we sit down and talk about the spaces that are going to be free, uh, the goals of the institution or the institutions kind of our life at 600 main street in Hartford. And we think about uh, the strengths of, of our collection. Part of our mandate really is to share the collection and Mm -hmm. make sure people know it's there and are seeing work that we hold. And then to balance that with new work or work by uh, contemporary artists or loaned work. So we try hard to make sure that we've got 
a show coming up that builds on the timetables of African American history because we're one of the few places in the state, if not the only place, where you should be able to and can go to see a discussion about slavery in Connecticut or <coughs> the Civil War or sort of those big milestones in black history. And people want that. People do show up all the time. Really? How come there's not more on Dr. King? How come you didn't talk about that? And so <laughs> since there is another place that does that here, we need to have that someplace in the building or need to be able to reference that. So are there, the are there standing things like there are things that you just, no matter what, you keep it. It uh, stays forever. No, but there, there are definitely ways in which you try to factor in that narrative into most exhibitions so that mm-hmm. you can come in if you've got a class that needs to talk about the Civil War or black soldiers in the Civil War or uh, Reconstruction or the Harlem Renaissance or so those big things people are almost always introducing in classes. You can come in or we can incorporate that into your visit. Wow. Uh, we also have gained skill in working with living artists to do new work inspired by our collection. Mm-hmm. Is that so, a new thing? Is that a new thought? You no, know, it's not. It, it's, it keeps the collection alive and compelling, and it allows us to be in discussion with contemporary artists. And mm-hmm. the collection, because it's, got, it's so eclectic and it's got its complicated points, people are fascinated by it, and they want to find something in it that inspires them to do something new. Uh, and we had been doing that less deliberately, and mm-hmm. so we're trying hard to be more focused in making sure that's an experience that artists get, but also other people get. And so as we push hard to bring more of our material online and sort of adopt an online collections management system, we're going to create opportunities oh. for uh, kids home on a snow day or homeschoolers or kids in a classroom or but, but museums across the country are doing that. Like the Louvre has done that already. And I think MoMA has done it. And certainly getting collections out online. And that's something that most big mainstream institutions that have tons of money <coughs> can do pretty easily for us. It's harder because <laughs> it's expensive to do this. It's, it costs a lot to have your entire collection of eight to 10,000 objects. Digitalized. In- and then it costs money to build a site, to hold it and to, update it and make sure that it's constantly compatible and that it's mobile friendly and all those things are, are really big investments. And so for us, it's, it's a gigantic step. And I think for a lot of smaller uh, community-based institutions that focus on uh, African-American arts or other communities of color, you know, it's a really big step to get your collection online, but it does, it, it's transformative in an amazing way. We'll take that one step further by doing something that we call creative class and making these little opportunities. So in the same way that we bring in artists to discover something in the collection, kind of learn about why it matters and then create new work inspired by that, mm-hmm. we'll want to find ways to do that with you know, kids home on a Saturday. So creating a little lesson that's online that explains this version of the Constitution and talks about its components and the symbols and meanings behind it and then gives you prompts to create something new from some of those symbols or to create your own version of it or to kind of riff on it. Wow. And we're excited about that. And we feel like it'll, again, it'll give our collection sort of deeper resonance for folks because mm-hmm. it won't just be this stuff that lives in the past or speaks to the past, but it'll be a prompt to think about what you do and how you live today. Now, do you spend your time 
um, soliciting art or and do you go look at artists that you might be interested in curating or like how does that work? Um, I do some of that. <laughs> and then I have to track down money. But yeah, on a good day, I get to do that or someone else in the office gets to do that. And we want to do more of that. And that's the thing. It's, it's balancing those opportunities, which are great. Uh, going to Art Basel, which is happening right now. I know. Maybe, I have I'm friends who are there right now. Like that, or going to an art fair in New York or going to somebody's studio for a visit with just doing the everyday stuff. Of, mm-hmm. um, now, is there reports, a, is there a, a art curator organization where y'all get together and have conferences and talk about, you know, what's going on. Like, I mean, my, the extent of my art knowledge is like Thelma golden mm-hmm. of the, the studio museum, yeah, in Harlem, that's a good one. That's a good one. which is one of my favorite places. Yeah, right. It's a good place to go. Yeah. It, like us in many ways. Really? <laughs> I, you know, I, I will say this. I've not, I've not been to the Amistad center for, Art and culture, art and culture. Yeah, art and culture. Well, we're really different because we are within the Wadsworth, mm-hmm. and that is a really unique feature. And other places have called about trying to ad- adapt that model. I don't know that anyone has done it yet, but like having are curious about it. Having it's like having a museum within a museum. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how maybe it's often described. Um, and yeah, it, it somewhat is. Our, our collection, the founders' vision for this project would be that the work that we would do would add context to this already encyclopedic museum. So you would see uh, masterpieces and the evolution of black creativity and identity within a context that was looking at uh, creativity and identity questions and uh, from other parts of the world. Wow. The Wadsworth would provide that and people understood and knew the Wadsworth could do that. And by adding this partnership with the Amistad Center, you would get the additional value of uh, a focused look at black creativity. Mm-hmm. And so now history. to make this go, you got to raise some money. Yeah, we do. And so is it a year round ask? It is. It is. <laughs> it's annual appeal time. You can go to our website if you want and you can give today. But yeah, no, it, it's, it's constantly thinking about how we, in various ways, engage different publics, uh, advance uh, people's sense of us by building our profile and get to get to those people who are at the next level. Mm -hmm. So uh, so you you you're not saying or you're suggesting that you have to get in your car and drive to places to see things like everything doesn't always have to be within a 20 minute walk of where you live. Yeah. That sometimes you've got to make the effort to go see it's culture. A small state. <laughs> we have to get out, and we we fight about sort of uh, feeling regional and where our dollars go and um, how few dollars we actually have anymore. But you know, there's a lot to see in Connecticut. And now, are you from Connecticut? I'm from Ohio. Okay. The Western Reserve. So technically, <laughs> um, Connecticut once removed. Though my family is from Connecticut, and my parents got married in Hartford. And oh, they were headed to California and stopped, and in, stopped Ohio. in Ohio. And it was so great they stayed. Wow. Well, that's a that's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> that's not even halfway to California. Yeah, but they knew people, so they stopped off to say hi and hang out, and, and then just stayed. Like, oh, hey, you know what? This is a good opportunity. Yeah. Why not? Why not just hang out here? Just hang out here. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Connecticut is a small state, although 
I don't think Connecticut acts like a small state because I think people will feel some kind of way about commuting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think you're right. And and I'm one of those people that have that has not spent any time at the Wadsworth Antonium or 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 at the Amistad. So that I'm so it's on my on my bucket list to do this year. Yeah. Wadsworth, uh, the New Britain Museum. I've been wanting to Mattatuck. go to the New because I see their ads. I've gone to the Mattatuck Museum, yeah. but I've not gone to the New Britain one. And I hear it's 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 uh uh it's I see their ads in places that I find interesting and I'm like, oh, Okay. Yeah, no, the New Britain's great. The Connecticut Historical Society, obviously the Stowe Center and Mark Twain. So there's lots of great yes, stuff. Yes, I've gone there, yes. People should get out and see. And see those things. Yeah. See those things. We have this incredibly rich history, uh, African-American history uh, in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is detailed by the Freedom Trail, uh, and it's tied into some of these big institutions. Uh, as people get out and go to these places, you learn so much more about people who lived here a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, and helped to build this state and, and sort of create a context for how we live today. Do you think we have a good? I mean, I know New Haven has a as a pretty fairly decent, thriving arts community. I don't think it's where where they want to be, but I think I think it's gaining in its reach. Do you feel like Connecticut, from where you stand, um, it, it is starting to sort of embrace its own arts identities? I mean, do you feel that? Oh, yeah. I think Connecticut's really, in each region, people are pretty proud of their arts assets and, and do a great job of promoting them. I mean, last week, DECD and the Office of the Arts had Randy Cohen here from Americans for the Arts talking about uh, their work in D.C. and their advocacy of the arts uh, for all of us, and also thinking about the ways that uh, this state and this region, kind of the arts workforce and the investment that the arts make in Connecticut and in New England generally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is significant. And we forget about that. I was at a meeting last week where we were reminded that New England is an arts innovator and an arts incubator and that a lot of great uh, creativity and talent and milestones in the arts have come from this region, from Connecticut and Massachusetts and Rhode Island and even further north. Wow. I don't think people think, I I think you're right. I don't think people think, when they think New England, I don't think they're thinking arts. I think they're thinking fall and apples and pumpkins, but but that's a a really good point to sort of make. And it makes me think about this region a little differently just in that, just in that little bit of conversation. Um, Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, lots of great art stuff happening in Fairfield County. So Mm -hmm. there's just, you know, there's a lot here. And I think, the folks who work for us at the state are sort of tirelessly trying to promote this, but it's true we forget. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what's the best part of your job? Uh, it's hard. It's all great. <laughs> um, the members are good. The funders are good. Uh, I think what may be the best, or one of the best parts of it, really is the partnership. Mm-hmm. It's a unique partnership. Uh, it's great to be located within the Wadsworth really strong team our team everybody in the building you know works really nicely together and i think that might be what feels like our our, our secret strength is that you know, we have this broad pool of, of resources because all these folks are working together to do stuff for everything that happens in the building and mm-hmm. that really might be it um do you do you get a sense um 
Uh, do you feel like uh, there's enough of folks of color like yourself uh, d- curating and and running and and um, heading up um, art institutions? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know I was going to say that? No. Are you trolling me? Um, no, and that's actually become a really. hot discussion in the field. I mean, there is a, a subgroup of art museum curators that have their own confederation. Uh, there's a, a larger confederation of all museum uh, workers and even some library folks. Uh, and then there's a, a confederation of uh, black museum workers that really? all have com- conferences together. Well, not together, but mm-hmm. have their own unique conferences and sometimes there's overlap. And increasingly in probably all of those entities, there's been more discussion about how we are encouraging future generations of people of color to move into the arts and advance in the arts, particularly mm-hmm. in museums, uh, from the board level uh, to uh, wow. staff levels. And there's some great reports that have come mostly out of New York looking at uh, diversity within institutions or the lack of it and thinking about what can be done. And a lot of great work by millennials mm-hmm. uh, in the digital realm and through some conferencing, but also kind of on their own, not in physical spaces, uh, to push those questions and encourage more conversation about that. And that's been really, really great. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that we're hoping to do in the next couple of years is to intensify our connections uh, with colleges and museums and working more with interns to really help people think about careers in museums. This year, or this past summer, we had some funding from DECD. They ran a really competitive uh, summer arts internship program for college students and embedded them in a number of institutions around the state. And we were lucky enough to have uh, one of those interns, uh, somebody who really has grown up in the institution. And so she came to know us as, we run a summer photography institute. Mm -hmm. Uh, neighborhood studios through funding that we get from the Arts Council in Hartford. Uh, it's called Snap Photography. And that's, she was that's an, cute. an early participant <laughs> in our Snap studio. Uh, and so she got to know us as a photographer. She had also been an intern at the Wadsworth probably a couple times and then came back uh, to do this internship with us this summer, which we love. We love the idea that there's a pipeline and that we're able to really encourage people that the museum is a place that they should feel at home, where they can gain skills, professional skills, and where we can help guide them into a career. We have a couple people who have done that, who started uh, somehow, usually through neighborhood studios and that photography program, and who have worked with us. Uh, One woman who graduated recently and and continues to work in the arts uh, around New Britain, and who spent a lot of time with us as an intern, uh, as a student worker, and began her time with us at neighborhood studios. You know, Saving I, one for the arts. I think that's interesting because I I don't I don't think I've ever heard anybody sort of recruit as a for a career in the arts. I, it, when I think about careers in art, I, I'm always just thinking artist. But people have to curate and run the galleries and institutions, and people have to you know there's all things that have mm-hmm. to happen that make art accessible to people. Um, and I think because we hear so much about um, high tech kinds of things that I think the arts career sort of sort of takes a back yeah. back seat 
So I'm very fascinated by that. And uh, and I wonder how you how do you recruit for how do you get young people or college age people or high school kids to think about a career in art? And I guess you show them all the kinds of areas where they could make a difference or they could fit in and work and and then work toward that. Yeah, I think it's it's really balancing their sense of creativity, which is what at least inspires people to think about wanting to be in the arts mm-hmm. uh, with the realities of the skills that they'll need to to make a living. And okay. at some point, you might decide, <laughs> I want to be a photographer, but I also want to work professionally in doing these things too, or I have an interest or a skill set that allows me to do this, and you want to balance that. And, and maybe that leads you towards a curatorial role. Maybe from that you think about uh, more of an administrative role, not necessarily giving up mm-hmm. a practice that is creative and continuing to take to see yourself as a photographer, but also acknowledging that you have an interest and a talent for you know, fundraising or some other administrative skill. And I think that's, in some ways, what we hope to do is expose, in the time they spend with us, expose them to the broad range of opportunities within arts organizations and the kinds of skills that are necessary. Not to squash any of their creative instincts, but just to help them balance the sense of this is what it means to express and this is all the work that goes into helping people who have this moment of expression mm. see that. Are you an artist, Frank? Realized. Uh, at some level, yes. Like, what's your what's your medium? <laughs> I knew you were asking that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't it's know. a secret? I, it's not I a secret? I dabble in a lot of things. Okay. So, I, but, you know, I have done lots of, like, sketching, mm-hmm. uh, watercolor kind of work. Mm-hmm. And I did, growing up, spend a huge amount of money and time in all kinds of um, art classes. Mm-hmm. So so is that your first love? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it a love or is it, it's not a hobby. It's better than a hobby. Uh, it's probably somewhere in between. It, it, it's a form of expression that feels like something you need to do. But okay. like everything else, it's like you got to balance the time to do that with all the other stuff. Yeah. So, and for me, it's a great way of documenting what happens. Uh, um, so the idea of having sketchbooks or having some creative record of every day or the big moments in every day, whether that's having a quote book or having a sketchbook in which you're able to draw or write or paint, uh, this meeting at a coffee shop or this incredible. Uh, moment or seen at a street corner or and so it's trying to find ways to do that so that's very artistic at least you're doing something like that's, that, that <laughs> builds the talent and holds it but allows you to kind of document what's happening in the world that is so artistic like i, I guess this is why i happen. like i, I like talking to that. artists because because of just what you said that artists sort of see the world a little bit different than most people i think with that i could say that right you don't feel offended yeah. by hearing that I think that's probably true yeah, I think I don't artists know if it's true sort for of. Me, but I think it's true for artists generally. <laughs> well, I think it is true for you because you just said what you just said was, you know what? I don't think people think about documenting things creative, creatively like that. I, I don't think they do. I don't think people think to capture the ordinary or the romantic things of everyday kinds of things. And you just said. This which you, you know, I think people do, but it just really depends on the medium they're doing it in. Mm-hmm. So people talk about it or they tell a story about it. There's a, a great or social media. Yeah, do you think oh, social exactly. media is? I think social media is 
just another extension of some kind of artistic expression. Yeah, yeah definitely. You yeah, know? It's using the tool that you have access to and, and the skill that builds upon an impulse to hold on to something or make a record of it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Nick Oley, uh, the architect uh, who's now left us, had this incredible collection of sketchbooks in which he sketched all kinds of things, uh, notably every play that he saw at Long Wharf. But sort of, <laughs> and I had the kind of unique pleasure of kind of getting to go through many of them. And it was incredible to look at things that happened in the city, you know, dates that I could say, oh, I was there at that point. Right? I remember that day. And mm-hmm. sort of seeing his vision of that day, I mean, what was happening. I mean, he sketched a lot of Worcester Square because uh, that's where he lived. And it was just incredible to kind of go through. This, and now, does that, and now is that something that gets view. to gets to be on display for public consumption? Um, you know, or is for it... the Long Wharf anniversary, they did make, uh, Sarah graciously allowed them to uh, pull some of those images and create a, a version of greatest hits mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. his Long Wharf scenes. But wow. mostly it's just for them, but it's, it's, I mean, you're always kind of, as somebody who works with people's stuff all the time, you're always kind of like, ooh, that's such a brave thing <laughs> to leave it for history because I'll never forget going to an exhibition of um, somebody's work, Lorraine Hansberry. Oh, and my she God. Had, she had these notebooks in which she said, people who get on my nerves. <laughs> all kind of stuff. And it's like, you know she didn't want that to be shown. I guess she figures what the heck. But... You're always bouncing between better to burn everything so nobody ever oh, knows what you thought. But but do you think that all. people, don't you think, though, people want to leave, a, no matter what it is, they want to yeah. leave a little bit behind? Yeah. Because I think artists sort of think, at least the artists I know, they sort of think about that in ways that regular, everyday, ordinary folks don't. You know, they think about, this is what I leave behind. Yeah. This is. I think everybody wants to do that. Everybody wants you know. to leave something behind. It's just a matter of how much you want to say about yourself and what you leave. Mm. But yeah, that's interesting. It was great that she left it there. It was great to see it. It, it was funny, but you do sort of feel like, wow. But hey, <laughs> does that, that point, make you? You're dead. Does, so but what do, do you, you think about for yourself? I mean, do you think about, okay, look, I've got, I've got my work. What do I do with this work? Like, do I, you know, maybe not to the extent of Lorraine Hansberry with, with, with uh, journals that say, you know, these are the people, <laughs> people I hate who get on my nerves. <laughs> Actually, like people she hated. Um, <laughs> You know. I don't have a record like that, thank God. So. But uh, yeah, there's I have a ton of stuff, so it'll have to go someplace. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make sure that that gets wrapped up really? before the time comes. Mm-hmm. You, you do? You think so? Well, I mean, not going to. I don't know that I'm going to give it to a place, but it's definitely not going to be lying. <laughs> I, I pray every day that some person won't have to come and sift through it. That's I, you know, I think this is a tough conversation because I've been having this conversation with myself I read a piece, I think it was in the Times, like a couple of months ago that said, um, um, consider treating your things as if you have already died and that you are the one going through your things. Mm-hmm. And that chilled me to my bones. I, I was like, ooh, because you, you don't think about like what happens to you. Yeah. Uh, because we, we all think we're going to live forever. <laughs> or, you know. And if and if you think you get an illness, you think you may have time to sort of curate your stuff, but you don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. You got to so, start that now. Yeah, but it's a it's a freaky kind of thing to think about because we are living 
amongst our things happily. So it's kind of hard to sort of like, okay, let me start, let me start paring this down because I want this to go here and I want this to do that. So yeah, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. So uh, the work at the at the Amistad Center for Art and Culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all do uh, activities all year round. We do. We program the entire calendar year. Some of it is tied to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it really is serendipitous, and some of it has to do with what we need to do for the imperatives of the collection. Okay. Okay. And so how long does a, a particular exhibit stay or a collection stay? Do you, Does that change? It does change. We try to rotate. The building has a lot of activity in it, and so there are a lot of spaces we Post-renovation, everything was renovated in the past five years. So our space is new, other spaces are new, and there's more space in the building at Kissimmee, Maine than there had been. And one of the challenges is coordinating when this opens and when that closes and when this opens, because it's not a huge team to do all that work. Mm -hmm. We try to keep, we have two spaces that we manage. We try to keep uh, something in there to do two or three shows in those spaces in a year. Okay. And do you have the uh do you have the luxury of having the artists sometimes mm-hmm. come do. and we do. be in residence or talk or we do. something? So the show we have up now in our Motley study uh, is a product of one of those residencies, an effort to work with artists and have them see something new in our collection and, and create based upon that. Really? It's a show of photography by Lewis Watts and he Based on the West Coast, uh, did a lot of work uh, in Oakland uh, and San Francisco documenting the black community there as it evolved and changed. And uh, also has done some work uh, in New York doing similar work uh, in New Orleans. And he spent some time with us maybe more than a year ago. Uh, and he came back a few times. And he's great because he really does burrow deep in the community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I joke, it was like having my grandfather come visit. <laughs> no, he's not my grandfather. He's not that age. He's much younger than that. Uh, but, and he would just, he would stay here in New Haven and commute up with me to Hartford, uh, hang out for the day. He did all kinds of stuff here in New Haven. You might have seen him at Common Ground. So one day we had a, we had an episode at Common Ground. I had to race back over and he had to come with me and he was sitting in the cafeteria with the kids kind of doing his work. Which is, not every artist has to do that when they come. <laughs> But um, yeah, he was great. And it's amazing that he has this skill of showing up to a place and in not too long, making himself at home. Yeah, become part of it. Yeah. These incredible views of the world that he enters because, you know, he's there. He went to the Leonardo Challenge at Eli Whitney Museum. He did a bunch of great things around New Haven in the times that he had been here, mostly documenting and, and looking at work in our collection, but also getting a sense of, of Hartford and New Haven and photographing people who take the camera where he goes and just shoots people. And so there were almost two shows. There was a show that he built in our storage area, uh, photographing books. And, and that's a really beautiful exhibition, and it's on view in the Motley Study. But also it has a partner show at Trinity College in the mm-hmm. Widener Gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the time that he was here, he got to know Pablo Delano, mm-hmm. the photographer at Trinity. And at a certain point, 
this spring, Pablo realized that the work that he was doing and the work that Lewis was doing in our collection had a lot of overlap and they were in deep conversation and proposed doing a partner show there. So wow. Lewis's work is on view in oh, that's kind of cool. Hartford. Yeah, and so not for much longer. So like tomorrow may be the last day of that show at, at Trinity, but it was great having his work up in two places. So there is that work, but there also is this sort of side story of all the folks that he met and photographed while he was here back and forth in New Haven and Hartford probably four times in the year that he was photographing the books. Wow. And he has that really great skill of jumping into a place and being talkative and engaging enough to get to know people or to strike up a conversation and get them to agree to take a picture <laughs> wherever he goes. So, I love that. That's great. Yeah, so we have that show up. Uh, and that's the kind of work we want to do with not just artists, but certainly with artists. Sort of bring them in, show them what we have in storage, have them find some new way of looking at it that we hadn't thought about. And the work that he created is definitely a way of viewing these books that I hadn't seen. And, and other artists have come through and have really said, wow, they wish they thought of that. So. Good morning. If you just tuned in, and I, I've got about like 10 minutes left, I'm Babs Rawls-Ivy. This is Love, Babs, Love, Talk. And my guest today is uh, Frank Mitchell, Executive Director and Chief Curator <laughs> of, the, of the Amistad uh, Center of Art and Culture, um, housed in the Wadsworth Antheneum um, in Hartford. And, uh, and if you haven't gone up there, get in your car and go. We're having a wonderful conversation about um, art and artists and collections and, and those kinds of things. Um, so... I've been trying to get to the Amistad Gala, the yeah, the Juneteenth, Juneteenth. and uh, and this is how this whole conversation between you and I got started yep. because I've been trying to come to Juneteenth for several years now, and it has always been a competing event with other things. Yep, I don't care what's happening this year; I'm coming. Yeah, no, okay, that'd be good. <laughs> that'd be so good. talk about talk about the Juneteenth Gala. Uh, Juneteenth is one of our signature events, and we do think we were one of the first organizations to hold a Juneteenth event like this uh, in Connecticut. Uh, it's a, it used to be all one weekend with the gala and our big family day celebration. And at one time there was a brunch and sort of concert on Sunday, but that was crazy. Um, <laughs> so now we have Juneteenth family day uh, a weekend before the gala and family day is great. You know, it, it's one of the, probably have a couple free family days at the museum. MLK Day is also a free family day. So definitely a chance to come up to Hartford. And if you're not going to the Peabody, come up and see us. <laughs> uh, good, that was a good plug. And do some activities. <laughs> We're both open and free that day. And we'd, we would love to see you. Or go to both. Go to both. Yes, you could do, you go could to do Peabody both. Peabody in the morning and come and see us. Come to, to the, the Amistad. But if you can't do MLK Day, you can definitely do... Uh, Juneteenth Family Day, which is great, and, and you know, we have lots of family-friendly activities, performances. Usually, we try and bring in some of the young people in Hartford who perform, uh, whether it's drumming or other kinds of musical activity. So that's always happening, and that's a really great day. Mm -hmm. And artists come in; a number of artists who are old friends come in and do activities. Usually, or often, there is uh, an artist in residence who does something as well. And then we have the gala a, a week later. Yeah, and like this is a big deal. This thing, you know, it, like it's it, it fancy. Um, <laughs> it, 
it's very a, fancy. It's a nice night. It's a nice night. Uh, the museum <laughs> is a great venue. So it's a great I'm so space coming. to dress I, up. I'm telling you I'm coming because... And we invest in it. It's very know. beautiful. I see the pictures every year, and I'm just like, oh, why? Yeah. Why aren't I there? People why take it seriously. They wear, they, they dress, they dress up. It's a gala, and people yeah. gowns, the whole thing, tuxedos. And we have a great DJ who comes every year. Uh, sometimes we have live music as well. We try to include or incorporate some kind of performance. Mm-hmm. Since we're honoring artists, it's nice to have them with us in some way. Uh, this past summer, we had uh, Arian Wilkerson who mm-hmm. received one of our uh, Spirit of Juneteenth Awards, along with Linda Kelly, and Arian uh, runs a, a dance company, but it's it's multimedia and transgender, tra- uh, transgender, transdiscipline uh, dance company. And so his primary medium is dance, but he really, he, he does film, he does everything. Mm-hmm. And so he received one of our awards and he performed in this really incredible uh, moment there that everybody was privilege to witness so that was great we definitely try to do that kind of thing to bring some kind of really unique and special performance uh, to the event mm-hmm. and how, how long is how, how long have i been doing the gala the juneteenth gala probably 26 years 20 really years. it's been yeah, that long it's been a long time it's one of the first things that they did after uh, the foundation got it together well, I'm coming because I know lots of people have been wanting to come to this thing. and Yeah, bring friends. And it's, I, I want to come. a lot of fun. I mean, we, I get ahead of it this year so I can plan appropriately so yeah, I can be ready. Rest heavily in the food. <laughs> we really do up the lights. It's it's a nice night. And, and it is a fundraiser. Yes, uh, it's a fundraiser. We do try to make a little money on it. <laughs> uh, but it's also, it's a really good time. And I think for many people, it, it may be one of the few times when it feels like the museum is theirs. And I had this epiphany last year when I was sort of like, it was just a lot of work that had to be done and stuff wasn't coming together enough. And and it was at the end of the night and there's always folks who come and they want to have a picture of themselves and all their friends in front of this thing or that thing and get a picture of us looking mean, a picture of us (laughs) smiling, don't forget our shoes. You know, and it occurred to me, this is an audience that this, there are people who come to this and who live in this area, and this is the one time when the museum feels open to them, and it, it feels like their space. Mm-hmm. And so it is a program, and it is it is a service in some way. And so it's a chance for us to engage an audience that may not always get to come to the museum or always want to come to the museum or always feel like they want to. You know, And it's a special night, and so it's people invest in clothes, and they dress up, and Mm-hmm. You know, and Juneteenth has some real significance yeah, yeah. to 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 people certainly to to black people anyway. The and, history of that story is yeah. important too. And so, and do you tell that story? Do we you? do, we okay. do. We we feature it prominently uh, during Family Day, and we talk about it as well uh, at the gala. So it's a nice night. Yeah. Well, I'm coming. I don't I don't care right. what's I'm going. I'm gonna on. hold you to it. Hold me to it. I don't care what's happening. I'm coming to that to the gala. And but there will be a, it, there, it will come with a cost. It'll be a choice. <laughs> it'll be a common ground graduation. <laughs> oh, or it'll be a festival or something. There'll, it's true. There'll be a New Haven event that will make you say, Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> do you know what, do you know the date for, for 2018? I want to say it's the 16th. Of uh, June. June so oh, Lord. Without looking at my calendar. Oh, that might be. Let me, let me not talk out of turn because I'll mess around and be like, have to be responsible for something here. Like, oh! 
<laughs> but you know, the good thing is that Gaylord goes on for a while, so you could yes. probably still go to something in New Haven. I like the way Frank, there, Frank, and Frank is like, y'all could be come at the to party. three things. Be at the party by 9.30. I like 10. that. Like, be at the party, come at the party. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't come to the party anyway until 10 o'clock anyway, y'all. So, you know, y'all still, we're still young people. We can show up at 10 o'clock yeah, and you can still, still be fashionable. Get in your car at 9 and still get there. And still get there. Have a good time. I think that's a good idea. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Frank yeah, Mitchell. You I enjoyed this. I hope you come back. I'll come back and talk about Juneteenth. Yes, come back. <laughs> and all the fun that we had. Yeah. Come or back and talk. Before. Or before, so you could talk it up. Yeah. And you know what? Here's here's the other thing I want to say to you. Um, I'd like to start sharing some of whatever you do or want to want to share in the inner city newspaper so that I could have some of that Hartford, mm-hmm. some of that, some of that uh Amistad flavor in the paper. Okay. You know, we just share some stuff. We could post stuff. Let you know, let people know what 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 the uh, exhibits are coming up and the talks or whatever, yeah, whatever you feel like you want to share, and uh, and I'll run it seriously because right. I, I I want to be connected to that, and I think it's a gem and we ought to we ought to be, everybody should just know about it and go up there. So I'm gonna get in my car and come up there. Right. It's soon. Saturday. Saturday. Sa- this Saturday we've got our Kwanzaa <laughs> celebration. The Festival of Trees is happening, so the museum oh. is tricked out with all these holiday <laughs> trees and wreaths that you can still buy. Oh. And it is free. From 10 until 1, it's the family celebration. We do a second Saturday family celebration mm-hmm. every month. And so this second Saturday is this coming Saturday. And we'll I be might, there. You know what? I might get up there at 10 o'clock. Doing Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa crafts. And there will be all kinds of activities throughout the building. So That might be kind of cool. That sounds cool. Well, thank you so much, Frank Mitchell. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Beb. <laughs> all right, y'all. I'm on tomorrow. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Harry, I don't know where Harry is, but I, I see him controlling the, the the thing. So he's playing my music. I see you, Harry. So. Yeah, we'll just keep trying